The scripture today is from Mark chapter 1, verses 4 through 11. And so John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. The whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him. Confessing their sins, they were baptized by him in the Jordan River. John wore clothing made of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. And this was his message. After me comes the one more powerful than I, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. At that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. Just as Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my Son, whom I love. With you I am well pleased. Good morning and welcome to our Bible study for January the 12th as as we continue on in this new wonderful year of 2021. And today's topic is one that I get the most excited about. I, I love talking about the baptism of Christ. Now, I may repeat a lot uh, of what I shared in my sermon uh, this past Sunday because Everything I shared in the sermon is so very important to me. I let's look at this idea, and as I broke this down in the in the sermon, I want to break it that down that way again. I want to tie this narrative of the baptism of Jesus Christ into the principles of our Wesleyan tradition of grace. Now I'll share with you, as many of you have known that have been stuck with me. Uh, for the 20 plus years of pastoral ministry that I've been a part of, or, or just here at our church, our base church at North Coast United Methodist Church for the last going on three and a half years, going on four, um, we, you know, my ties are Wesleyan Grace. It's the foundation of of my personal faith walk, and I draw from it so frequently. And conversations, because it, it's the it's the rock in which I stand on. So uh, you'll hear it a lot this year. You'll hear it uh, primarily the focus of today, because I love if you look at the historical account as it builds out, you see the 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 foundation of provenient grace, uh, justifying grace, and then. The whole rest of the story, as as Jesus Christ begins to share the miracles, begins to to heal the sick and and give the blind sight and and restore uh, cultural divisions, um, we begin to see a, a visual example of what sustaining grace is. So, let, let's look very specifically at this conversation today of the scripture of of the baptism of Christ and we're going to lay out provenient grace justifying grace 
and then sustaining slash sanctifying grace. Let's start with prevenient grace. Now, in, in my personal definition and my explanation of what prevenient grace is, prevenient grace is a grace that exists for us before we have the ability to acknowledge Christ. Before that, we've had that initial experience that has introduced a reality of who Jesus Christ is for us. Uh, prevenient grace, and, and this is it's kind of the easiest way to describe it because we kind of have this loving visual example of prevenient grace when we celebrate an infant's baptism. Now, in the United Methodist Church, uh, Catholic Church, uh, there is a christening, there's a infant baptism. And what we celebrate with the infant baptism is this reality that Jesus Christ's grace is already encompassing this dear soul, even before this dear soul has an acknowledgement of who Christ is. Now, I'll, I'll share with you, uh, because I, I I grew up as uh, in, in an independent Baptist church, a very evangelical uh, independent Baptist church. And many of my family, many, many of my dear friends who I still celebrate our faith traditions with, they ask me at an infant baptism, where's the, where is the acknowledgement of Christ in the baby that's being baptized? Because with, within, within my growth, especially in my foundation of, of growing up in a, a independent Baptist setting, there is a profession of faith that is preceded by a baptism. The, the baptism is a visual acknowledgement of a profession that's been made by an individual. And I, I celebrate that, and we're going to get there in this conversation. Um, but there was a, a phrase that I heard in a sermon once that has, has stuck, stuck in my mind. Uh, uh, there was a, a concept that was presented by one of the pastors that I grew up with. It's called the age of accountability. And, uh, the age of accountability is this idea that um, you get to this place that you, you know, as kids, we don't get stuff. And sometimes as 45 years old, we don't get things. Uh, but we, because we don't get it because we don't have the mental capacity to really evaluate and understand what's going on. So there, there is, there's this theory of, of the age of accountability. And there's a, a, a phrasing that I always loved that linked into the concept of the age of accountability. And it's called, it's safe, it's safe. Now, uh, as we've all heard in so many w ways, when we, we reach this moment of profession of faith, it's called being saved. But before reaching this age of accountability, uh, this dear pastor shared this concept of being safe, that you are within the, the comforting confines of God because you have the inability to acknowledge and have that voicing of justifying grace, that, that voicing of salvation. That's prevenient grace. <laughs> that is the exact definition of prevenient grace. There, there is this place in our life that we have not found that connection with 
grace. We haven't found that connection or that understanding with Jesus Christ. And as we have this infant baptism, and this is how I explain it to my, my dear friends, is this is that acknowledgement that God loves this kid, that God loves this child, that God is aware of this child, God is present in the development of this child's life as they move closer to a place where they will have the ability to understand who Jesus Christ is and acknowledge Christ on their own. Let's look at that in this narrative of the scripture for this weekend because it's beautiful. There is a clear acknowledgement of provenient grace within the existence of John the Baptist. Jesus Christ, uh, you use the idea to have something to respond to. Jesus Christ's ministry hasn't even started to respond to it. And John the Baptist is already proclaiming what's going to happen. You know, everything that John the Baptist shares in his preaching and his ministry is an acknowledgement of provenient grace. This is what's going to come. This is, this is what's going to happen. John the Baptist is not just laying the framework for what Jesus Christ is going to do, but he's already saying right now, in this moment, it's already important. That's provenient grace. That's provenient grace when we're saying that even before this dear soul, this dear friend has uh, the ability to acknowledge what grace is, it's still already important. That's what John the Baptist is preaching. And John the Baptist already had... Uh, the, now, John the Baptist is a unique cat because in his life existence, I, I would say that John the Baptist actually had a moment of justifying grace before he had a moment of provenient grace. And if you look at the account of of John the Baptist still in his mother's womb, leaping for joy because he's in the presence of Mary, who is pre pregnant with Christ, he, John the Baptist actually has this moment of justifying grace before he has a, 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 a journey with provenient grace. And John the Baptist is out sharing the importance, the already importance of what Christ is going to do before Christ does it. That, that whole narrative within the scripture leading up to the baptism of Jesus Christ is an acknowledgment of what provenient grace is. So I've already introduced the word. It's justifying grace. So let's go ahead and move into justifying grace. And this is where I, I push my my conversations with my dear friends that that we are still celebrating our, our faith together. I that there is a moment within Wesleyism, within the liturgical practice of 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 grace, the movement of grace, where that there is a moment of profession of faith. There is a moment. This this baptism is not the the first and final step as we acknowledge the provenient grace, but there is a moment within our liturgical practice that the child has a moment to make their baptism their their own. They confirm their baptisms, and that is a moment of confirmation. And I know I know I shared all this on Sunday. But it fits into the, the narrative of, of the scripture of, 
Christ's baptism, so I'm going to use it again. So bear with me. There comes a time of confirmation that the, our dear friends, these kids, have the opportunity to to go through, to study, to to find an understanding of of what's happening in their lives. That they're taught, they are pieced together what it means to to have interaction with Jesus Christ. It's a time of intentional study of who Jesus Christ is. A, a time of intentional study, whether it be Presbyterian, Episcopalian, um, Catholic, uh, what, what their denomination means and what their denominational practices mean. So to have a place that they're truly understanding the whole spectrum of not just their relationship with Jesus Christ, but how and why that they celebrate it in the, the specific ways that they do. And that comes of this moment of confirmation, and confirmation is an image of justifying grace. Now, here's the cool thing. I, I very importantly shared that John the Baptist had a moment of justifying grace before he had a provenient grace. There's a moment of justifying grace that exists within an infant infant's baptism, and it's really cool. And it's not the child itself, but it's the parents and the godparents that are there. And it's actually everyone that's observing the baptism as well. Everybody that's there is having this moment to intentionally interact and respond to Jesus Christ's calling. And that is, for me, the definition of of justifying grace. Justifying grace is the moment that we get it. We understand Jesus Christ is Lord, and we begin to respond to Jesus Christ as Lord. We respond to the actions that Jesus Christ has done. Now, within that infant baptism, the provenient grace is on the child, but the justifying grace is in the action of the parents. This is important to us. We are responding to what Jesus Christ has done to us as we present our child for, for baptism. We are, there's places in the liturgy, if you, uh, if you listened to our sermon, I actually go through the baptismal covenant in the sermon. And there's a place where the parents promise that they are going to do certain things as representatives of faith for their kids. They actually go through the process of re-acknowledging their uh, connection to Jesus Christ within the covenant. Um, they're asked if they reject sin, if they reject injustice, if they proclaim Christ as their Savior. Within that whole process is these things of, of responding to who Jesus Christ is in their lives and it equips and enables them to, to respond. And that's the parents. It's a beautiful thing. And I cannot wait till we're back in our sanctuaries that we can do this again in person. Because there's also a moment of justifying grace for everybody that's watching. Now, I, it, it may not be verbal and it may not be active. But there, sometimes there's this stirring in the heart where you remember something beautiful. You either remember when you took your child for baptism, or you remember the family baptismal um, garb. I, I, I almost said dress, but some of our dear masculine listeners may, may disagree with me on that statement. So our baptismal uh, dressing, 
that has been shared through the family. And there is a moment of just emotional connection of watching what's going on. And the congregation has that, that moment of well, uh, of this moment of justifying grace, connecting to Jesus Christ and, and realizing that Jesus Christ is real for them. Uh, all of that is a beautiful thing. So, so now here's the question, how does that play out? Because if, if, if we respond to the actions of Jesus Christ, how, how is Jesus Christ's baptism an, a moment of justifying grace? And oh, what a great question I just asked. If I could reach that far, I'd pat my back. But here it is. It, when we display the importance, the active importance of doing something, a response, that is, that is justifying grace. Now, Jesus Christ, if you look at this narrative, John the Baptist actually asked Jesus Christ to baptize him. And that's not what Jesus Christ wants. Jesus Christ wants to set out a visual narrative on, on how to move forward. And Jesus Christ has John the Baptist baptize him because he is showing an intentional action and a response of something outside of him. An intentional action of something that's outside of the actions that he's going to do that we respond to outside of us. I get the wordy conundrum, <laughs> but it's what Christ is doing because Christ, Christ's whole ministry is about being a visual example. Christ's whole ministry is about being this visual representation of not just what we should do, but what we can be as individuals, a visual example. So as Christ does this, as Christ does his baptism, Christ is responding to the ministry that Christ will be doing, and Christ is setting the example for others to respond to it as well, justifying grace. So that moves us on to sanctifying grace, and this is where it becomes beautiful, and it's the beautiful part of this story, and it's the part that I hit the most as, as I share it, and I need to have a little bit of grace with my hair. Um, the sanctifying grace that follows after that. There's an acknowledgement that exists in our lives, and this is a phrase that, I, it's almost my catchphrase in preaching. It's, you are a beautiful creation in the eyes of Jesus Christ. You are a beautiful creation from the hands of God. And as the more that we interact with the reality that we move into this place of sanctifying grace, it's for me, my definition of sanctifying grace is the moment that we are just doing things and we're interacting with Jesus Christ and we're not even thinking about it. it. It's just happening. It's it's so real to us. It's so ingrained in our DNA. It's just what we do. And I, I share with people, you know, sometimes we have these conversations like I, I can, I, I'll share with you. I feel that my walk of faith began when I was 14 years old, when I walked down the aisle of Cornerstone Baptist Church, I went to the Reverend Dr. Ken Martin. So I went, Jesus Christ be my savior. That's, that's my, that's my pinpoint moment. And not all of us have that pinpoint moment and that's okay. It's okay to have this lifelong connection to, to God and that God has just always been there. God has always been a part of our lives. That's, that's okay. 
Because if John the Baptist can have a justifying grace before provenient grace, why can't you have sanctifying grace before it as well? That acknowledgement that God is just there and God is real and God is God, that's okay. And this whole thing, the moment as the Holy Spirit descends from heaven and proclaims, this is my son, the voice of God, this is my son with whom I'm well pleased, that is a moment that imagery within Christ's active ministry becomes an example of sanctifying grace. If sanctifying grace is our interaction with God and the Holy Spirit without even thinking about it, as soon as Jesus Christ starts interacting with the disciples, that's an image of sanctifying grace. There is an image of justifying grace as the fishermen put down their nets and go. There is imagery of the Lady of the Well, of sanctifying grace, of an interaction that's just happening without even thinking about it. And there is imagery of sanctifying grace as the Lady at the Well responds to Jesus Christ. There are all of these things. If you really look at these layers of grace and actually how, how that we apply it to our baptismal covenants, it, you know, every level of grace exists in every situation. It, it just depends how that you look at it and interact with it. Because the whole story is not just about us. Because one of our actions of justifying grace as we go out and serve intentionally Jesus Christ is a moment of revealing to someone else their place in provenient grace and for others as they see us live and breathe and be an active servants of Jesus Christ it becomes an image of sanctifying grace all of them intertwine and work together I the, the conversations on grace make me very happy um, but that's how all that ties through this conversation with with the baptism of Christ provenient grace through John the Baptist preaching something that has not happened yet Justifying grace, Jesus Christ doing the active motion of intentionally showing a personal involvement with grace. And then that sustaining grace, the proclamation that we are loved by God and we are God's children. It's all a beautiful, intertwined mosaic of, of God's love. Thank you for... Dealing with this conversation with me again, I know a lot of today's conversation was pretty much Sunday's sermon, but I I love talking about this narrative. Thank you for going through it with me again. My name is the Reverend Michael Drew Davis, and may the peace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. We'd like to have the opportunity to get to know you. Please email us at ncumcinfo at gmail.com. And if you've been enjoying our services online, please email us. Please say hello. Again, that's ncumcinfo at gmail.com. And also, if you'd like to give to our church, please go to northcoastumc.org and click on the Give button. Again, that's northcoastumc.org and click on the Give button. Thank you for joining us.